Welcome to Yella Mensa, exploring cross-centered contextual justice in the South African context. Yella Mensa is a ministry of East Mombano, Center for Biblical Justice. I am your host, David Kluter, and with me is my man, drumroll. Oh, there's nothing. There's no John, John Skippers, okay. my mom in the house, in the hey, house. John, John, give the people some fun. Hey, everybody. Be, good to be with you. Hi, everybody. He's being very, very, come on, man. Bring the fire that you usually bring. What what fire is this? (laughs) My fire comes later. He doesn't have fire. My fire You know why people's left, skewed left legs, there's no fire. Oh, I see. We're going there. So early, so early. Okay. (laughs) Welcome to another exciting episode of Yellow Mensa. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Uh, And we are not in our studios, by the way. Uh, yes, our studios. Our studios. Yes, yes, we have studios. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we we on the road, and we have to apologize if the sound is a little bit offish. But we we were prepared to sacrifice that because of this very special guest that we have for you guys that's with us today. And so today we have uh, Dr. Carl Ellis. Mm. Yes. If if we had a button to press, like people in the background, you know, clapping hands or like doing their thing, that that, that that would be it. That Yay! would be it. That would be it. Does it work? Okay. No. We have Doctor Carl Ellis with us. Uh, if you don't know him, South Africans, mm-hmm. he is the godfather of African American Reformed theology and the provost <laughs> professor of theology and culture at Reformed Theological Seminary and the associate pastor for culture apologetics at New City Fellowship. Dr. Carl Ellis, welcome to Yellow Mensa. Well, it is good to be here. It is my honor and privilege mm. to be here. Let's dive right into it. Right, uh, Doctor, can you please uh, just tell us about yourself, uh, where you're from, your faith journey, your family, and church background? All right. Uh, born mm-hmm. in New York City. Uh, that's where most of my family is. I moved to various places in the in the country over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, all my life, I uh, well, not all my life, but from the time I was, I was about six years old, I, I realized that uh, I knew I had a relationship with God, but mm-hmm. I messed up because I was a sinner. Right. I knew yeah. that I could not put it back together. And I used to wonder, how in the world can I restore this relationship? You know, and mm-hmm. I, of course I was raised in the church, but I never really heard the gospel. Nobody right. ever explained it to me. Right. I knew my grandmother knew God quite well, and mm-hmm. uh, but I just assumed that. In order to know God, you had to live a perfect life. So right. I figured she lived a perfect life. Therefore, right. she knew God. Well, she's a grandmother. That's right. She's a grandmother. <laughs> Listen, this is, this, is, this is a, a, a black, not just the South African, I think. This is a black where our, our mothers and our grandmothers, there's usually a strong faith. Mm. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, yes, that, is, that, is, that is just across the black community. That's right. <laughs> yes. so there it is. That's what we got in the comment. So yeah. anyway, I, raised, I was raised in the church. The yeah. Bible didn't make much sense to me, and I never really heard the gospel. Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I would ask people, you know, how do you get to know God? They say, just go to church and be good. Well, right. that wasn't good enough. Anyway, long story short, um, I ran into some weird guys uh, in, uh, in high school. Yeah. And uh, they were just kind of, well, I, you know, it was segregated high school, right? Right. All black. One of them wanted to be a, a communist when he grew up, and the other one wanted to be a Nazi. Wow. Can you imagine wow. a black Nazi? Wow. Right. That's interesting. That was really interesting. And then wow. later on, uh, they uh, became, one became a Jehovah's Witness, the other one a Seventh-day Adventist, and then later on, they both became Christians. Right. And I was intrigued about, about this, and so I asked them these questions. I had built up a lot of questions to ask Christians to, to make them stumble. Right. You know oh, okay. Like, okay. Oh, you were that guy. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had all these questions. You know, did Adam have a navel? And all that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and I'd always been able to make Christians stumble. Right. Of, but but uh, I would ask. Well, these guys answered my questions. Oh. I couldn't believe it. Wow. And then it was the tables were, were reversed. You know. Now, I, there's a couple of things that happened in my life which were very significant. One, I uh, I encountered Malcolm X. Uh, right. I encountered. I heard him live one day, and I never wow. heard a man speak with such authority and sure. such clarity before. He just really electrified me. Right. And, wow. and the thing that he, he kept saying uh, so much he says, "You're beautiful people. You know, black is beautiful. That kind of thing." Right. That's right. Yeah. And I could relate to that because sure. the culture around me was saying that I, you know, as an African American, I'm I'm irregular. There's something wrong with me. You, you know sure. how that is. Yes. Yes. Sure. Yeah. And when Christians would come along and they say, you're a no good sinner. Well, I didn't need to hear that. Right, no that's you know, right. The culture was telling me that all the time. Right. But Malcolm said that we were beautiful, we were noble, we had dignity, we had worth. Right. And I started trying to live like that. But I kept finding myself falling short. Right. I couldn't figure out why I couldn't live like this. 
right field that collapsed everywhere. And so I asked these two guys, I said, why, you know, why is this the case? Said, right. Oh, Romans 3.23. Wow. And I had never heard of wow. sin in that light, you know. Sin is that that holds me back and causes me to fall short right. of the glory of God. And the glory of God for me was to be a human being. Right. I'd never heard that before. Sure. Well, well then, it was just a matter of time then. You know, right. uh, right. the Holy Spirit kind of wrestled with me. <laughs> Sure. And, and so that's how I, 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 I came. Uh, I became a Christian. Interesting though, I hated going to church. You know, covering up. I hated going to church. It was such a waste of time. So after I became a Christian, I received Christ. I told my pastor about my conversion, and he kicked me out of church. Why? He said, he thought I was involved in some kind of a cult. Right. His defense, but he just, he and said, his response is to kick you out. Yeah, he kicked me out. He says, I <laughs> wow. want to have this around my church. You know. Wow. So I actually <laughs> spent my first five years as a Christian. Believing that the church was an anti-Christian institution. Whoa! <laughs> five years. That's, five, that's a lot. That's not five months. That's five a lot years. of time. God kept you. Wow. Oh, he kept you. Well, these wow. guys discipled me too, right, you know, right. because they were also uh, like me. They they couldn't relate to church. But sure. Anyway, right. So it was years later that uh, my stepfather, who mm. was a pastor, helped me to come to terms with understanding what the church was all about. So I was sure. able to make the adjustment. But that was a good thing for me because. Later on in my ministry, I found myself ministering to people who, who were what I would call unchurchable. You know, right. there are yeah. the church and the, and the unchurched. Well, these are unchurchable. These are people who are allergic to church as an institution as we understand it. Yeah, right. and I was one of those. Right. Yes. And so I was able to really reach them and speak to them in a language that they understood sure. and communicate the gospel in their in their in their context. Right. Right. So that that's been a very significant thing for me. So. It forced me, you know, I had to read the Bible, and I had to do direct application of what the scripture said to the culture right, yeah. of the people that I'm talking to. Yes. So I never learned to speak in Christian language. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, so that, that really marked the, the nature of my ministry. Even when I became a pastor, you know, when I was a pastor, um, I actually had two congregations. I had my church congregation, and I had my unchurchable congregation. Wow! Wow! <laughs> and I, I couldn't. That's beautiful. The unchurchables, were, you know, they, they weren't. They just weren't ready for all that. Right, right. Uh, it's like I call it. Uh, it's, uh, it's cultural circumcision. Right. You see what I'm saying? You, you know, the way we set it up now that you have to uh, follow uh -huh. certain, certain. You have to conform to certain cultural standards before right. you can even have access to the gospel. Yeah. Well, I made, uh, I made, I made the gospel accessible to people without all that. Right, and mm -hmm. so uh, it was later on that they would learn about church, you know. And, I, and I'm a churchman and all that, right. but I just realized that the church as we know it, uh, just inadvertently, uh, has certain things. I mean, like you know, things that go along with it. Like for example, where I don't know what time church meets here in South right. Africa, but uh, they meet at eleven o'clock on Sunday morning right. in America. Where does the Bible say that? Yeah, no way. Where does the Bible say have communion every four Sundays? Right. Yeah, right. It just doesn't say that. Right. No, I'm not yeah, saying I'm they're wrong. That's yeah. right. I'm not saying they're wrong. It's just right. that these are traditions that are built up, and there are some people exactly. who, for various reasons, cannot follow those traditions. And so right. those are the people that God has called me to uh, minister to. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Sorry. A lot of young people in South African context are <coughs> sort of following that as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, and, I, I can and they yeah. and they are moving out of the church because of our past. And Christmas mm -hmm. fall in particular, yes. especially in what I know, churches right. in the southern suburbs mm -hmm. had, had difficulty dealing with these students who right. had all these questions. If students were uh, protesting, fees were were too high, too high. and yeah. and some of them were saying, "We're coming from from uh, what you would call the hood, the hood, the hood, right. yes, the yes, townships. yes, the townships." Yeah. And they would right. say, "Like, but our, our parents can barely put food on the table, right. and and so and then, you and then they go to church and like, but we need to talk about this stuff. Why mm -hmm. it is the way." It, it is right. and a lot of pastors didn't know how to deal with it and they send these guys off and and right. they are then they're questioning the church and a lot of them don't want to come back to the church because the church has hurt them so right. bad yeah. and yes then, we, we, but they still have faith often. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's exactly right yeah. it's like it's hard to recover from church hurt that's right oh, yeah. 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 Mm. yeah and uh yeah that's uh, that that we, we we run into that a lot of that right. yeah a lot of that yeah it's a it's it's a very interesting thing um that you have some of these similar kind of things. But it's interesting that, uh, first of all, I, I find it absolutely a joy to be in South Africa because 
I mean, and I realize, you know, there are struggles here, and I identify with those struggles. Sure. But for some reason, and I don't know, when I was about 10, right. uh, God put South Africa on my heart. I remember, I remember very sure. clearly the Sharpeville incident. Right. Well, the uh, I remember when Mandela was in prison. I remember right. the, the Prince Peterson was murdered in Soweto. I remember when District Six was full of right. us. All these well, things. I I just always prayed and thought, sure. you know, I just. So anyway, I just and it's just part of my, one of my concerns. I don't know. God just put it on my heart. So yeah. Uh, so anyway. But because I had concerns like that, there's so many Christians in, in America that just didn't didn't even, didn't even think about it. Right. You know? Sure. Uh, but I had I always had uh, I was I participated in the civil rights movement. I met Dr. King. Sure. Uh, matter of fact, uh, when uh, and I was just a kid, I was must have been about nine. Uh, Dr. King came to my city to, to give a lecture, <clears throat> and his first book had just come out. Right. And so my father bought me the book. Wow. Uh, and uh, and I walked up to Dr. King. I said, "Will you autograph it for me?" Mm. He did. Wow. And uh, I still have the book in my library today. Wow, that's, yeah. that's, that's a special. That, that must be that must be very special. That was great. Now, what what we were talking about right now about the church mm -hmm. now in South Africa, our circles in particular, sure. John, um, reform theology yeah. has a terrible name in South, in South Africa. Oh, absolutely. Um, you, we, we, yeah, we, yeah, we, I listened to your talk this yeah. morning. That, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And so there's a lot of connotations to it being instrumental in in the formation of apartheid theology, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, separate development, yes. and, and so-called Christian na uh, nationalism. Yep. Yes. Uh, so what exactly is African uh, American Reformed theology all about? Okay. Um, <clears throat> what uh, what happens in the African American experience is that uh, th this is interesting that. They're developed because of segregation. Mm -hmm. right? They're developed uh, an indigenous African American church. Right. Yeah. Now, when I come here to Africa, I don't find a whole, a lot of indigenous African churches because yes. they're connected with uh, denominations right. from Europe or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, Anglican or whatever. But in the African American community, they develop an indigenous African American church. Right. And uh, it came in. You know, several different models, but they're developed an indigenous African American theology. Now, what I was talking about today about side A and side B, mm -hmm. side A theology is all about what we should know about God. Side B is is uh, how we should obey God. Right. Well, the white church, white evangelical church right. in America, was more side A. The African American church was more side B, and so our theology was was, was right. on the ethical side of of, of of theology. Right. And uh, and so the other thing was that the the most dominant branch uh, or expression of this of the African American church was it was a Southern model. You know, there was a difference right. between the South and the North. Okay. And this uh, uh, expression of the church, its theology was more intuitive than okay. cognitive. Does well, that make sense? Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. you kind of feel it. Right. Sort of so what happened was that beginning in the beginning in the early uh, 20th century, there, there was a great migration of African Americans from the South of the United States to the North, right. the urban North. And what happened was that, uh, now, well, now th there was an indigenous Northern African American church, but it was more cognitive. Does that okay. make sense? Okay. Mm -hmm. So a lot, lots of people have migrated to the North and their kids came with them. And all of a sudden they had access to formal education because okay. in the South, you know, they were, mm -hmm. And so these kids then developed what I would call cognitive theological needs. Okay. And the traditional African American church was not addressing those cognitive needs. It was still in the intuitive realm. Does that right. make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So as a result, then, they a lot of people drifted away from the church because the church wasn't addressing their issues right. Right. in their language. Wow. And that's why you have the rise of, of various cults like the, uh, the Nation of Islam mm -hmm. and the uh, Nubian Islamic Hebrews and the Morris Temple of Science. Several others of right. these of these cults, mm -hmm. uh, right. although their doctrines were crazy, <laughs> they were cognitive and they didn't answer right. the questions. You see, you know? yes, that, uh, it's like sense. you know we have a lot of uh, tornadoes in America, right. right? And every time a tornado hits somewhere, they show you uh, what do you call them? Caravans? Is that right? There? We call them trailers. Oh uh, yeah, get them into yeah, yeah caravans. Caravan. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Well, they have these. Caravan parks, right? right. Mm -hmm. And every time a tornado hits, they show you the wreckage of the caravan. Right. Park. So right. it's easy to come to the conclusion that caravans cause tornadoes. 
<laughs> yep. So I, I see. I see. That. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so if that's your question, what causes tornadoes, and nobody answers your question, somebody's gonna come along and give you a stupid answer like that. Yeah. You know, and it yeah. makes sense, and that's what the Nation of Islam and all that did. Uh, they wow. answered questions. You know, why do white that's folks act like this? Right. Right. Okay. That that was one of the big questions among mm-hmm. African Americans. Why do white people act the way they do? Right. Right. Well, we know from the Bible that white folks are sinners. Just right. Like black folks is like everybody else. Right. 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 And, and if you're in power. You're gonna your sin is gonna be manifested in a certain way. Sure. But we didn't do theology around those things. So here comes the nation of Islam. They come along and say, Oh, we'll tell you why white folks act like that. Right. It's because the white man's the devil. Right. Oh. Okay. Makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> sure. So Action. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. By 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 caravans. You know. Right. Yes. Right. right. And so they answered the questions, even though they were they were they were you know stupid answers. Sure. Right. And uh, so. So what began to happen is a lot of people began to drift away from the church and go seek these things. But then the nation of Islam and these and these groups, their doctrine was so so far out that uh, they, you know, a lot of them didn't stay. But yeah. then by that yeah, time, you had the emergence of black nationalism right. and all the rest of that, mm-hmm. which is interesting because black nationalism, or shall we say, black consciousness, mm-hmm. okay, black consciousness. Yeah, we know that. Black consciousness was based on it was it was based on some theological right. ideas or ideas that came out of African American Northern theology. Right. But although a lot of the people in the black consciousness said that Christianity was a white man's religion, right. they didn't realize that they were using some of the uh, right. things that came from uh, white the the African American church in the eighteenth century. So uh, anyway, so those are some of the things that were happening, and so um, I've kind of boiled it down to this: uh, that in any in, in in most situations where you have a dominant group and a non-dominant group, whether you define it racially, or economically, or culturally, or mm-hmm. tribally, or whatever, the non-dominant group uh, they 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 tend to experience more oppression by right. the dominant group. That's mm-hmm. that's just the, the nature of things, yeah. and uh, and what happens in the non-dominant group, there are what I call uh, cultural core concerns. You know, by okay. core concerns I mean life defining and life yeah. controlling values and issues. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. all right. And so among people in the non-dominant position. Generally speaking, there's a lot of variation here, but generally speaking, they tend to have core concerns revolving around uh, dignity, identity, right. and significance. Okay. And does the Bible address that? Yeah. Of Absolutely. course, it, of course does. it does. Yeah, yeah. But did the church address that? No. 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 So we were so busy uh, trying to get people uh, people to uh, get their passport from hell to heaven. And uh, well, look, yeah, we I, have that too. Yep. Glad I got my passport. <laughs> I believe all of that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. But, but, uh, but in order to bring somebody along and help them understand what the gospel is all about, right. you have to address their issues. Yeah, right. that's right. And so uh, Karen and I, my wife Karen and I, are involved in the center. We call it the Center for the Study of the Bible and Ethnicity. We're getting right. ready to rename it the Edmiston Center for right. the Study of the Bible and Ethnicity. Edmiston, they were a couple. They were a couple. They, African-American couple that did significant work in Africa. Right. Anyway, so we are trying to develop, we've developed curriculum around addressing those kind of issues, the issues uh, that are pertinent to a a sub-dominant or non-dominant group, because the church itself Mm. is, uh, throughout biblical history, has always been a non-dominant or sub-dominant group. Right. Very seldom the church has ever been the part of the establishment. Well, that has happened here in South Africa. Absolutely. Church. It happened in America because the church had a privileged position. Mm. But what's happening is that increasingly this, uh, the church is coming under hostility. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so we have to learn how to live as minorities, uh, as mm. those of us who are in the name of Christ. Yeah. And so we're preparing people to deal with that. Right. But also at the same time, you've got to deal with people's uh, core concerns mm. yeah. and uh, kind of disciple them toward. It's, it's yeah. so interesting that you. you 
you're talking, and I mean, we've always, we've often noted this, this kind of similarity between the States and South Africa is often that some of the, the core concerns that you're talking about, some of the things you're talking about, about being a minority mm -hmm. is so significant because those are the issues that the majority yeah. struggles with in our country. And like yeah. we've centered so much of our theological thought, so much of our, our, our the questions we're trying to answer and significance and all those, mm -hmm. those, those issues you pointed out around addressing uh, from kind of a white-centric, Western yeah. kind of yeah. uh, viewpoint. And so we've really, and so we're at, and I feel like there's a real struggle movement in South Africa at the moment trying to say, well, how do we how do we actually do theology? How do we grapple with them? We're seeing people leave the church because they're disillusioned. They're saying, it doesn't speak to me. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't speak to me. I, I love Jesus, but it doesn't okay. speak to me. Okay. And uh, and that's a majority culture. And so we're just, I already feel like at the moment, we're just in this really interesting Time and I think Fusmus Four has actually was one of those catalytic social events that kind of got the church a bit of a wake up call. It's not club, but it's not club. What yes, do you want to yes, say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, the cure for that is for the, the whole culture to uh, turn against the church, to be hostile. Uh, it's, sure. It's the church going to wake so up. It'll wake up the church. People begin to realize, mm. oh my, you know, we're not. This isn't. This isn't our. This isn't our our kingdom. You know, right. well, uh, yeah. yeah. We get comfortable if we're in the dominant position, the privileged position. Mm -hmm. We get comfortable thinking that this is our world and all the rest right. of it. So, uh, well, no, the, no. the Israelites faced the same problem. Sure. Yeah. Babylon. A lot of them stayed in Babylon. They didn't right. Sure. Yeah. Now, no, no, it's not. it's within that. So there are what I would describe as faithful ministers yes. who are trying to do the work. Who's right. trying to say we are trying to address this. We're trying to look at our context. We're trying to have the Bible in hand, and we're trying to be faithful to Jesus, faithful to the gospel, and its implications for South Africa in this place. Right. Um, and oftentimes, it is right. black Christians. Right. Yeah. Right. And when those black Christians raise the issues of racial injustice, right. racism, and race, and dominant culture, yeah. you know, economic inequality, in economic, yeah. In yeah. economic inequality, yeah. and all those things, here's what often comes back. You guys should just preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. You're getting off track. Mm -hmm. And the other is you you're playing the victim and yeah, all well, kinds of things. Oh, yeah. you, you, yeah. you 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 I mean you can name it. There's I heard this that yesterday. I heard that yesterday. Yeah, you're well. playing the race card. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, in the book of Acts, you know, when the uh, the, the the Greek widows were being left out in the daily distribution of right. food, the apostles came along and said, You should just preach the gospel. You shouldn't be concerned about these social issues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know that's not the case. You yes, know, yes, yes, right? yes. Because there was a problem with right. the distribution system. Yeah. See, here's okay. Here's here's the big difference. There are some people who who are Christians. They they mean well. Right. Yeah. They want to fight this battle using political and social ideology. Right. Yes. All right. And while that might give you some short-term gains, uh, gains it's going to disintegrate. Right. Either it's going to turn against you or it's just going to just fall apart. Yeah. The, the way to do that is to is to address those those those, those issues from scripture. Scripture is far more radical than anybody's yes. ideology. Yes. Right? That is true. But the thing is we have to do theology around that. Theology is the application of God's word by persons in every area of life. Right. Now, when people say just preach the gospel, what do they mean by the gospel? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, uh, the gospel, uh, I'll just say it from my context. The sure. gospel of uh, American evangelicalism is not adequate. Yep. Well, uh, it, it, it say that, you can say that again if you want to. Yeah, yeah okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, in fact, say it again. <laughs> but the gospel in the Bible is more than adequate. Amen. Isn't it? So the problem is that what has happened is that we have limited the gospel yes. to, to a, a narrow focus. Uh, and when we say that's the gospel, that's right. not really the gospel. It's just like the Jesus of, of evangelicalism. I cannot, I, I cannot find my identity in the Jesus wow. of evangelicalism. Wow. But I find my identity in the Jesus of the Bible. That's well, good. Yeah. That's yeah. good. That's good. Uh, yeah. uh, it's just like somebody asked me uh, a while back uh, you know, what I call myself an evangelical. And I said, well... <laughs> I, I would not call myself an American evangelical. Okay. I would call myself an international evangelical. Okay. Yes, That's a global evangelical. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because I you know I, I share because I have a strong consciousness of the people of God, right. the church, and all that. But but uh, so we we have to constantly look into the scripture 
to discover all the right. dimensions of the gospel. We'll never yes. discover all of it, but exactly. we need to just continue to do that. And as we do that, we mm -hmm. proclaim and practice that, and people might start listening for a change. Right. You know? Yes, that's that's powerful because mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many real life situations there are and currently is. And I, and I recently, a couple of months ago, saw one of the BT's first articles uh, in writing again about social justice on the, mm -hmm. on the Gospel Coalition. I think it's Gospel Coalition America. Yes, yes. One of the things that he, had, he addressed there is this thing of the reason why he is again picking up this conversation in, in his articles was a lot of men in churches are getting hurt and bidding, getting getting pushed down, you tone down this message, you there's financial implications and guys are told yeah. to, to shut up in many ways. Mm -hmm. Don't talk about this. And yeah. and so they don't eat. Yeah, yeah and, and yeah. You, need, you need to do this because there's financial. Mm -hmm. And all of these things. It's all, it's all about money. Yeah, yeah and all of these things are, are, are there. And so this thing in the church is, oh, I can tell you story of story of, of guys that I know in South Africa that has, has fallen victim. victim mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I um, Back in 91, I did a lecture at the University of the West. Right. And uh, you, you saw my lecture today about the window. Yep. I shared that. That's the first time I, I developed it. You know, it was like, oh, it's been, sure. you know, approved since then. Don't claim that. And I presented that. And, and the people who attended it, uh, it was a big group of people. Right. And a lot of them had been pastors in the township. Right. And they, you know, because yeah. that back then it was uh, yeah. Western Cape was the uh, there's a lot of ANC militia type sure. stuff. That was sure. Sure. political yeah. stronghold. Right, 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 right. And, and a lot of these guys were there. They had been pastors of townships, and they had put down their Bibles to take it to the AK-47. Sure. Know? Yeah. And, uh, so when I finished the lecture, he just rushed at me. It was like it's like we we're not like in an amphitheater. I thought, oh my God, what did I say? <laughs> yeah. And they said they said they they saw the implications of what I was saying. Right. And several of them said. If I knew this just two years ago, I would have realized that my Bible is a far more dangerous weapon than an AK-47. But they they left wow. their pastorates because they thought they were just pacifying people. Right. To to stay yeah. in the but in the. Uh, in possibly they were because of the theology they had inherited. Exactly right. They had yeah. a bad theology. That's yeah. right. That's right. Sure. The Bible. We just need to. That's why. That's why we need to do so much. There's so much theology to be done. There's so much richness in the Bible that right. we're missing with our existing formulations. A lot of our existing formulations are pretty good, yeah. right? but we need to we need to continue to do that. Yes. Yeah. It's sometimes where we put, we put the full stop, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yes. We say it's just all about, you know, to yes. solve being yes. saved for heaven. That's full stop rather than comma or doctor yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Like, great it's an thing. ongoing process. It's an ongoing process. Right. So That's we, right. we like to put the full stop there. That's right. And then we use that as a tool. And certainly in South Africa, it has been a tool to be used uh, for quietism. Yeah. And, yes. and to keep people down and keep people exactly. subjugated, and, and that's 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 so powerful for the Christian who's who who knows the issues, black Christian who knows the issues, yeah. doesn't want to talk about the issues because it's so painful. Right, and it's easier with with a gospel of purely only social, social grace. Right. But the social that, justice stuff is so painful for me. I don't want to right, go there because right. it leads me to right. want to look for an alternative sure. because right. the gospel. Right. Doesn't yeah, feel and it. And there's, yeah. there's so much in the scripture that deals with that. Right. Yeah. Yes, I'm concerned <laughs> about social justice. I'm all favor. I'm all right. in favor of it. But I, I approach it. I derive my understanding of it from scripture. That's yes. I mean. and yeah. The word of God is far more powerful than, than anybody's ideology. Right. And uh, like I said, you know, I can I can get a lot, a lot of attention if I just go with this ideology. Mm -hmm. But it's just it's going to fizzle very 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 quickly. Right. But but. If I do it from based on the Word of God, it's going to it's going to last, and it's going to have a much more uh, solid effect. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Now another question: mm -hmm. uh, Black consciousness has formed a significant part of your life, yes, and your theological work. Many of my circles, Reformed Evangelical Christian circles, mm -hmm. that is that is a bad word. Black consciousness. Black consciousness. Yeah. It, it's a it's a danger. It's a yeah. boogeyman. You don't venture there. Mm. How have you married the two, uh, particularly in an evangelical context where white culture dominates and normalizes a white theological expression? And, well, 
Well, if, yeah. you're gonna, if you're going to have a problem with black consciousness, then show me what your problem with white consciousness is. <laughs> you know oh, what I'm We don't think that there is yeah. one. Right, right. Because it's so normal. It's like, this is pure. Somebody asked me one day, he said, he said, he said, are there blacks in the Bible? I said, that's not the right question. Right. The question sure. is, are there whites in the Bible? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, at the end of the day, though, at the yeah. end of the day, yeah. it's not a matter of what color their skin is. Exactly. Yeah. The thing that really counts is that did their experience of, does it connect with my experience right. as African American? And if I look at it that way, sure. then as far as I'm concerned, everybody in the Bible is African American. <laughs> see, you see, and, okay. she, and even Jesus is the perfect African American. Right. But of course, he's the perfect uh, 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 Latino. He's a perfect Asian. He's a you understand yeah, what right. I'm saying? Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm not going to limit him by that. But although he can relate. to um, yeah, black consciousness. Um, see, here's the problem. It goes all the way back to the garden. Yeah. Uh, the sin of Adam and woman. You know, her name was Woman, capital W. Right. Yeah. It came Eve later on when God made covenant promises. But the sin of Adam and woman was not obtaining the information of good and evil. A lot of people think that right. they had. They they knew what good and evil were. They they knew. But they knew good and evil on the basis of the word of God. Right. They, they knew it on the basis of that. That makes sense. So that wasn't the issue. It wasn't that they were ignorant. They knew it. The issue was, how do you determine what good and evil are? How do you define good and evil? That was the issue. Right. Is good and evil, are good and evil defined by the character of God through his word? Right. Or are they defined by your own opinion? Right. That was the issue. Mm -hmm. And so when they ate of the fruit, they were saying, we are going to make the ultimate determination of right. good and evil. And therefore, everything came. Everything became judged by themselves. Right. The, the creature judged everything by creature standards. Even judged the creator by creature standards. And sure. That's the problem. Right. That's good. So that's once good. you establish that, then what happens is that it spreads out to other forms. So when you compare, when you judge other everybody else by the standard of yourself, right. you become your own idol, huh. and everybody becomes inferior by definition because yeah. nobody can yeah. be you as well as you can be you. Sure. If you judge other races by the standard of your race, right. yep. every other race is inferior because sure. no race can be your race. Cultures, right. yep. tribes, whatever. You know, so all you got all these different types of uh, situations where people judge other things by the standard of themselves or theirs, whatever that yep. is. And so you come to a situation like, you know, South Africa or the United States or wherever where there's a you know, there's a, a multiplicity of ethnicities. You're bound to have those kind of things because we as sinners we have a tendency to judge everything by the standard of ourselves. Sure. Wow. And that's and that's and and then it gets even worse when if you take somebody and you oppress them long enough, you keep regarding them as inferior. You keep dealing with them. Right. Like, after generations and generations, the people who are oppressed are going to actually believe in their own oppression. Exactly. Their own, uh, uh, inferiority. Yeah. Well, that's because it isn't. It? Exactly. Yeah. Children of Israel had that yeah. problem. Yeah. That, Moses, I said this, yes. if Moses was an Egyptian, they would not have given him half the grief as they gave him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. That's you know, true. Or put it another way, yeah. you know, when they get out in the desert, and uh, Moses is they coming down off the mountain, they decide to make an image of God, don't they? And what do they, what do they, what do they make? A golden calf. Yeah. Why a golden calf? Yeah. Because the, the Egyptian god of protection was at the head of a cow. Exactly, yeah. Well, and so, and now, let's put it in very contemporary terms. Yeah. Right. Like a bunch of Christians, black Christians getting out there and deciding Moses is not coming down the mountain, so they're going to put a big picture of white Jesus. Does that make sense? Well, you've never seen that? We can't imagine Jesus as anything else but, but right. You know, exactly, right? yeah. I mean, when we know from the Bible, you know, right. you know, he wasn't white, he wasn't black, he, he was just Jesus, you know. Right. Yes. But, but when we start depicting them in, in, in the yeah. image of a particular ethnic group, right. then the other ethnic group then thinks that, yes. you know, and uh, I, I, either they'll accept it because he's white, right. Not yeah. right, or they will reject him because of that. But either way, it's, it's bad. Sure. You're, you're believing in your own inferiority. Sure. It took a whole generation to get that attitude out of the Israelites. Right. So, right. Sure. You know, right. Yes. Right. Right. They got to. They get to the. They get to the promised land. They say, we can't. We can't take this. Right. They, they, they're too big for us, you know, because they had that, that inferiority. Right. And any God who would identify with them had to be inferior. 
Sure. And as soon as they thought they couldn't make it, let's go back to Egypt. You know, so it took a whole gen- wow. that whole generation to die off before they can enter the promised land. Now that yeah. hermeneutic, that that way of even yeah. getting to scripture and seeing that in the Bible, mm-hmm. I can get the Bible college. Like, like <laughs> you get that? I, mean, I, I don't expect you to get the Bible college, but I'm just, I'm just thinking like. Are we even engaging the text? That's what on we have, that's and that's what do black consciousness yeah. helped exactly you to right. see it and helped you to. Understand. Yes, it gave me the right questions to go to, to go to God in Scripture to, to ask. So, so when I think about black consciousness, I mean, okay, let, let's put it this way: uh, we are the image of God, right? Amen. Okay, even though the image has been marred by sin, sure, we're still yeah. the image of God. Okay. Um, and that tells me that I have dignity and worth. Just like mm. what Malcolm was saying, he was yeah, right. Yeah, you know, we have exactly. dignity and worth, and and all of that. Now, if 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 if, I, if, I, if I'm going to be judged by any, any standard, I got to be judged by the standard of God, not the yeah. standard of another human being. Yeah. Okay. What happened in, in the American context? And I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I think I understand it happened here too. That if you were not white. You were thought to be irregular. You were yep. thought to be there was something wrong with you. That yeah. you know, right? Uh, uh, so, um, so black consciousness was basically saying that you know we are just as valid as right. anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a series. There are a number of African American colleges and universities in the states, and uh, uh, black consciousness came out of the states in '67. And uh, you know what what I mean by homecoming? You know, you have a uh, there's a big basketball, there's yep. a big football game oh, okay. that goes on, yep. and it's a time when they invite all the alums, you know, okay. the alumni, to come back and uh, homecoming, right? Okay. And they, it's a big celebration, and they always select the homecoming queen. So mm-hmm. all these African American colleges, historically black colleges and universities, they would elect these homecoming queens. Right. And I, I was at the one the first time I saw this was sometime in the in the seventies. And I, I was in the student union building, and I saw these pictures of these homecoming queens right. all along the, the wall. And the pictures of the homecoming queens, 1966 and earlier, all look very European. Right. Light skin. Straight hair. Sixty-eight and following, they all looked African. It was a, it sure. was an amazing thing you ever want to see. It's like, well, that you know, that's looks like an archaeological dig. You know, you see. Oh, that's where the cultural revolution right. And oh. it was a beautiful thing. Sure, that is beautiful. Uh, but now where we got off the track was, you know, we said, okay, now we, uh, you know, are, we are not going to conform to Eurocentric standards of beauty anymore. Mm-hmm. We are going to concern, uh, perform the Afrocentric standards of beauty. Right. That's, yeah. That was fine. But then when people began to say, now uh, there's something wrong with mm-hmm. white folks. It's not wrong with us. Right. You know, they, they should have recognized, you know, we're still sinners. Yes, you know? right. And when they got into that kind of mentality, they would think, well, African Americans can never do this. We can never do this. We can never do that. Well, yeah. we didn't have the opportunity to do it. Because we didn't That's have the power. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. when some of us started getting the power to do it, we started doing the, mm. the same thing. Case in point, um, there's a, an expression back in the States, we call it white flight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know what white yes, flight yes, is, yes, right? Yes. Okay, one yeah. black family moves in. We have a jet in. And all the... Okay, all right. So if you ask these whites who are moving out of these neighborhoods, why are you moving? Well, they got Negroes moving in. They got black people moving in. Well, so what? Yeah, our property values are going to go down. Right. Our schools are going to go down. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So we got to get out there. Or we can get right, right. sell our houses at decent price. So I was, you know, white flight. That's it. That's all I knew. And I just said, that's just a white thing. White, black folks don't do that. Right. Well, my first year in seminary in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I went into a neighborhood right up on the edge of the city, black neighborhood, and all these for sale signs. Sure. What's going on? I didn't see anybody. I said, black, 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 for what? I started asking, I said, what, what are you doing? They said, oh, do you realize they're moving in these poor people? This is a middle class neighborhood. Right. They're moving in these poor people. Right. And you know, I said, well, what's wrong with that? I said, well, our property values are going to go down. Our oh, schools are going to go down. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I yeah. encountered black flight for the first time in my life. Sure. I thought, oh, I yeah. get it. I get it. You know, sure. just the, so it, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we are still the same yeah. sinners, fallen human 
Yeah. And the yeah. thing is that we need to do is that, is that you know, as we fight for freedom and justice and all that, we need to recognize that we too are sinners. Right. And that we yeah. should uh, also uh, seek, as we fight for our freedom and all that, we should seek to be transformed by the renewing yeah. of our mind. Yeah. According to scripture. And that's, I guess, part of the difference. And I, I, I think we often get asked, it's like, what's the difference between what you guys are doing and mm-hmm. like secular social justice? Well, mm-hmm. sometimes it looks the same, and sometimes, sometimes it looks different, it looks different. and sometimes yeah. it looks different. And one of the things we like, for me, I always say, as, as a Christian, we we well, we strive to hold that tension that we are yeah. both sinned against right. and, and sinners. sinners. Like, right. and we hold those two because they are both true. Right. Uh, whereas, true. like, often now, even kind of evangelical circles, we're just sinners. And we don't recognize the, the sin against, and then in our, you're going to say, because we're we'll just sin against. Yeah, right. exactly. That's right. And That's so right. it's like, like, how do we hold those two intentions? I mean. we, yeah. we need a lot of, we need to do a lot of theological yeah, That's what we're that. doing at, at our center. Right. We're trying to teach these other dimensions. We're trying to yeah. engage, getting people to engage in sex. Just like you take a guy like Nehemiah. Right. Context is almost evil. Like you right. gotta put aside oh, all your oh, context yeah. and that's everything, and just kind of come with this neutral yeah. thing, right. which we can't. No, no so we so we end up. Yeah, our context comes in the back door, that's right. and because it's like it's not faulted or anything, right. it ends up getting all messed up, right. and we right. get things like right. apartheid right. and right. separate development, all right. the stuff coming in right. through good Christian men and women, yeah. because we actually haven't engaged in the context. Right. Like, this is who I am. I don't okay. care. In the United States, they had this idea of separate but equal. Oh, yeah, we you know. And, uh, you know and you know what? If they had actually done that, yeah, they wouldn't have been a civil rights movement, you know. Probably. <laughs> but the problem yeah. is, they had a separate, and they yeah. said, oh, forget the oh, we had that. equal. Gonna, that's right. You said in one place that uh, though you appreciate your theological education, but that you were also disappointed that you were taught all about how to fight the battles of the Reformation, right. but that was not your battle. We often meet uh, young black seminary uh, students oh, and yeah. pastors battling with uh, the white and Western yeah. Eurocentric right. uh, nature or theological education. Uh, what would you What would you say to those pastors at black seminaries? Well, first of all, I, I really appreciate the, the education at Westminster right. Seminary. I just do I mean, from the bottom of my heart. I, right. I really love it. However, for me, it, it, uh, it, it, yes, I had to fight. I had to learn how to fight these battles. I look, I do most of my ministry in the hood or in right. the townships, right? Yeah. And I just don't. I just maybe I haven't met enough people. But I just have not met anybody who's wrestling with the ontological <laughs> of the of God. Does that make sense? Yes. 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 
how to refute, refute the doctrine <laughs> of the sacerdotalist. I, I just don't run into that, you know. Yeah. Stay up at night. Right, right, right. Tossing and turning. You know, my problems with Louis Farrakhan, and, right. and, and that's those are my problems. And so, yeah. and so I had learned to do all this at Westminster, which I appreciate. Right, right. Uh, but I, but if I had to learn how to debate Farrakhan, I had to do it on my own time. Right. And in Westminster, it's so rigorous that you probably have any time to do anything else. But okay. Uh, and so, and so, yeah, I was disappointed with that. But ha- but that statement was made up against the backdrop of a deep appreciation for what I did get at Westminster. Right. Yeah. So I vowed. I said, okay, once I left Westminster, I vowed. I said, what do I wish I had known before I came to Westminster? Okay. Number one. Number two. What do I wish uh, uh, I could have been taught at Westminster? Okay. okay. Yeah. Along with the good stuff. Yeah. So again, that, that goes back to what we're doing at our center. We're taking the best. You know, theology, right? Yeah. Not in the South African sense, but you know, <laughs> and we're and we're adding that to the insights that we get from church around the world who are in a subdominant position, right. dealing with those kind of realities, yes. including the African American yes. My wife yes. is doing research on the, the persecuted church, and, and she we're wondering why they never included the African American. The early African American church was a persecuted church, right? That's right. Wow. But nobody ever ever included that. But see, there's a lot to be learned from that. I was actually just thinking, so when you were talking about what you're doing, it, it almost sounds like, and, and here, here's, let's use a, 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 what could be a loaded word, it almost sounds like it's like decolonizing that's, some of your theology. That's about right. Yeah, right. You're taking yeah, the best, it's the not, right. it's decentering rather than, okay. Thank, thanks for clarifying that. that. Yes. Yeah. I just yes. want to say it out there, you know. Yes. 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 If, if that's the way we're defining it, yes, that's what I'm doing. Now, yeah. there are other people who define of decolonization in a different way. Sure. But, yeah, yeah. Right. but we don't have to be scared but, of the word. Well, no, yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah right. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Now, I want to, I wanna, moving towards the end, guys, um, I want to ask this question. Um, is reconciliation, because South Africa, that's a massive word in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Even after 1994, we're still having that, that mm-hmm. conversation mm-hmm. about reconciliation. Um, we just won the Rugby World Cup. Yes, I heard that. Oh, yeah. I, by the way, I have a Springboks jersey. Wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Uh, Wonderful. Might not make it popular with all our listeners. Right, right. I, I will, I will it's a divided remember. I remember, what was it, 95? Yeah, yeah. When yep. won first. I remember yeah. that. I, I, yeah. Yes. I was like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so even that spurred up a lot of conversation, politically oh, and otherwise, um, <laughs> how they consult, are we, mm-hmm. I still how, much of our, how much of our... <laughs> Country yeah. has been reconciled, you know, 1994, yeah. 1995, and that momentous event, yeah. Nelson Mandela was yeah. there, yeah. massive occasion. Uh, yeah. I want to ask you, is reconciliation possible yeah. in such a broken, divided, and polarized context of America and South Africa? Is it even possible that we could begin to taste something of that gospel reconciliation today, uh, what, what the gospel in the Bible offers? Of course, it's, it's possible, provided that the, the, the culture of the society uh, come against the people of God, and a lot of hostility. We'll wake up and we'll we'll, we'll figure out how to live together. Sure. I've never. Uh, I have to be honest. I've yeah. never. I've never heard this before. Like it's going to cause persecution for us exactly to, right. to 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 wake up exactly. to this issue, and That's then. Right. But the problem is also we don't see it as a reformation that's needed. Well, uh, that's the other piece. That's it. See, here's the deal. You don't reconcile by trying to reconcile. You reconcile by committing to the same things. Right. And as you come together, you're you're uh, you begin to discover each other's strengths. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna break. look. We're either gonna do it. We're either gonna do it uh, because it's the right thing to do, or we're gonna do it because it's the thing we have to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you know, there's there's so many of us. We have these little vested interests. Like for example, uh, you know, going back to black consciousness, right? You know, real quick. Black is beautiful, right? It is absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but it is not beautiful as a god. Oh. Uh, whatever go. my identity go, is, yeah. whatever my my ethnicity. How you want to define identity? There is no identity except my identity as an image bearer of God, sure. or yes. uh, or uh, a uh, or uh, uh, one who is in Christ. Right. All right. There's no other identity that can account for my whole humanity. Yeah. So yeah. so my blackness is a great thing, yeah. but it cannot account for all of my humanity. Sure. But if I put try to put my, all yeah. of my humanity That's under so my blackness, yeah. then I dehumanize myself. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So in, in that case, my blackness becomes an idol. So sure. whatever any any finite identity which becomes your ultimate identity right. is an idol. Yeah. 
Now, my black identity comes in best, it functions best when it's secondary mm-hmm. or tertiary. See, uh, so, so, but, but, my, but, my, but of course, when I say my identity in Christ, I'm talking about the Christ of the Bible, not the Christ of the right. Yeah, that's the problem. That's right. a problem. People yeah. are hearing you say, right. Right. Yeah, we all just don't right. see right. color oh, and no, stuff. No, no, you no, know? No, no. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're not saying that. That colorblind business is. Sorry. Move right on. Move right on. You don't need to find the words for that. Just move right on. I do have two words. But anyway, but here's the point. If that is the case, then why is it that John in Revelation chapter 7 was able to identify all these different ethnic groups? Exactly. Saying God is going to celebrate that. That's right. God is going to celebrate that. I think today, I think when we talk about identity, what we mean by identity today, or what we used to mean by identity today, would be best expressed by the word distinction. Okay. Okay. Because an identity accounts for your whole humanity. Uh-huh. There are people who are making, building their identity around their behavior, and all that's just that's just they're 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 they're, they're destroying themselves. If if you if you listening to this and you're looking for a a black theologian to add to your list, because I know uh, in as South Africa, especially in reform circles, mm-hmm. we hardly quote any black theologians. Mm-hmm. I look at my own library, mm-hmm. and there's so few of them. Here's one. Right. Here's one that I strongly Amen. recommend. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe me, take the man at his word. You heard what he said. Now, mm-hmm. I, I'm all for, uh, when I say woke church, this is what I'm talking about, guys. <laughs> That's right. This is exactly what I'm talking sense. about. Yeah. Dr. Right. Carl Ellis. Dr. Ellis, who's one of your black theological theological heroes? Well, um, I, I like a few of them. Uh, the one, I think, the one of the ones who mentored me is a guy named uh, William Pennell. William E. Pennell, or Bill Pennell. Right. He wrote a couple of books, uh, one, My Friend the Enemy, mm-hmm. a number of years ago, another one called The Coming Race Wars. Sure. He's a good thinker. Uh, there are a number of others. Uh, there's a man named Columbus Sally who did some work uh, mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, uh, let's see. It's funny. I, I read a, most of the stuff I read is non-Christian stuff. You know? I, right. I read the Bible. The Bible is far more radical than it. You know, <laughs> we are signing out. Again, uh, such a massive privilege, such a massive honor to have Dr. Carl Ellis mm, with us. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to say thank you to his wife as well for allowing him an entire yes. hour session to be with us. As always, follow us on, on Twitter at Yella Mensa. You guys know where to get us at Twitter at Yella Mensa. And don't forget to follow uh, Yella Mensa. is available on, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you're listening to podcasts, you can find us. Uh, go go online, give us ratings, give us some reviews, wherever you're listening. Right. This audio was produced by Exilic Music, and you can find them at www.exilic.co.za. Yeah. I am your man, David, signing out. John? And I'm John. we got work to do. Dr. Ellis? David, uh, my pleasure.